Welcome to Season 3. The You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast is an authentic space to talk about life in truth and love. This podcast has evolved, which is no surprise to me, because when you live authentically, you experience a lot of change. Thankfully, it's always a positive change, because when you ditch the coulds and shoulds and let God lead, the outcome is always beautiful. This podcast started as a resource for recovering perfectionists, but has expanded into a place for all to come and be themselves, share their struggles and their victories, giving God the glory along the way. Our world today suffers from an excessive amount of pressure on all sides that leave an individual feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, and eventually hopeless. My guests and myself have experienced all of these feelings at one time or another, which is why these stories and encouragements will inspire and uplift you. Hi friends, welcome to season three of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. Season three has something extra special just for you. Along with the interviews you love from my authentic guest, you will have the opportunity to listen to the new free audio version of my newest book, The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. I was inspired to create this audio version for those who want to listen during their commute or while doing the dishes. It is still recommended to sit down when you get a chance and go through this Bible study book as it involves a lot of one-on-one writing time with God. But I believe you will find this audio version helpful as you get started. Each chapter will be recorded as its own episode. Please feel free to share the listening links with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Chapter 6, Jacob We know Jacob pretty well, but to make sure we keep our story straight, let's summarize. Jacob is the younger son of Isaac. He left his home after deceiving his brother Esau with the help of his mother Rebekah and has been staying with Laban, her brother, in the land of Padan Aram. Jacob worked seven years for his bride only to be tricked and given Leah, her older sister, instead. Laban agreed to give Jacob Rachel, too, the one he really wanted, and together they had a lot of babies. Jacob has shown a wonderful work ethic and has done well by his father-in-law Laban. God has continued to bless Jacob and show him favor. Not everything has been easy, but through all the hiccups and snags in his marriages, Jacob has kept a good attitude, and I believe that this exemplifies the work that God is doing in his heart. Let's see what happens in chapter 31 of Genesis. The bad that worked out for good. Read and record. Read chapter 31 of Genesis and answer the following questions. So now I will read for you chapter 31. Jacob leaves secretly for Canaan. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father he has made all this wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him, as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. 
So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. He said, Lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives upon camels, and he drove away all his livestock and all his property, which he had gathered, his acquired livestock, which he had gathered in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Laban pursues Jacob. When it was told on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban the Aramean in a bad dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre? and did not allow me to kiss my sons and daughters? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, 
Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob replied to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maids, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle, and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them. She said to her father, Let not my lord be angry, that I could not rise before you, for the manner of woman is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by day, the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I have served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. The Covenant of Mizpah Then Laban replied to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters? or to their children whom they have borne. So now come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha. But Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, The heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore it was named Galid. And Mizpah, for he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from the other. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Laban said to Jacob, Behold, 
this heap and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. And that is the end of chapter 31. What was the attitude of Laban and his sons towards Jacob? Did Jacob head back home because he was sick of Laban or did something else happen? Reread or even write down verses 5 through 9. What is the truth of the situation? Was Jacob stealing? Was God in control over this? What did Rachel do after she found out there was no inheritance left from her father? God met and spoke with Laban. What did he tell him? Did Laban obey God? What happened instead? What excuse did Rachel use for not standing up when her father entered the tent? Do you feel satisfied with Jacob's response to Laban in verses 37 through 42? Summarize what happened in verses 43 to 55. Let's relate. As we just read, Laban is no longer acting the same towards Jacob. Laban's sons were saying that Jacob has taken everything from their father. God spoke to Jacob and told him it was time to go home. When I read through this passage, I assumed Jacob left on his own, that he had finally had enough. But no, God told him to leave and that he would be with Jacob. So Jacob talked with his wives and made his case for leaving saying that he had worked hard and God had favored him. I love it when God speaks clearly to me. It's such a good feeling to have no room for doubt because the voice of God is so clear. I had that clear assurance when I worked on this book. God confirmed many times that this was what he wanted me to work on. Sometimes that clarity comes in the form of other doors closing in your face and it hurts. But ultimately, it is good. In November of 2020, it seemed God had closed all doors and windows to me earning any money. I was willing and able to do what it took to get those bills paid, buy loved ones' gifts, put gas in my tank, but my voice students diminished even put gas in my tank, but my voice students diminished even further. The shopping jobs had vanished, and I was left with late fees and an empty gas tank. For a week and a half, I was full-on angry. The tiniest inconvenience would set me off. I took shopping jobs that were so far away, the pay wouldn't even cover my gas. During all this driving were angry prayers and loud sobs. What is happening, God? 
My sole goal every day is to obey you. You told me to take the job, so I took it, even though it didn't make logical sense to me. You assured me that once again you would provide, and yet those due dates on the bills came and went, and I didn't have anywhere near close to the amount I needed to pay them. Was it my fault? Did I make bad choices? And now I'm paying for them? I'd interrupt myself and say, no, I consulted you on every purchase down to a cup of coffee for the past year and a half. How could I have spent inappropriately? Was it a trick? Are you messing with me? If so, it's not funny. Then I cried, don't let me be Job, please. That's been my worst fear. Job was a righteous man, named so by you, and yet you gave the devil permission to wreak havoc on his life. Pretty intense, I admit, but that's me. I admitted that to the Lord as well. I told him I was sorry for being so angry and that I knew I'd feel like a fool in no time at all. But suddenly Grace met me. Grace said, Vanessa, you are human, and I know this. It's okay that you're frustrated and that you're talking to me about your frustration. I'm listening and I love you. You will be okay. In fact, you already are. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me receive this message of grace, not just in thought, but also to let it embody me. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me shift out of the lack I was living in and into abundance, and he did. After all my temper tantrums, I paid the rest of my bills the following Sunday, and I had $9 remaining. On Friday, I was upset about that because I still hadn't crossed off two items from my list. But I treated my girls to a $6 lunch Sunday and felt like I was on top of the world. To make matters more delicious, I discovered that I had every ingredient I needed to make my favorite holiday treat, cranberry bliss bars. I thank the Lord for helping me shift into abundance just as I asked, and thankfully, I remained and thankfully, I remain in a mindset of abundance today. Reread chapter 10, verses 10 through 21, and write down some questions or observations that you have in this passage. Take them to God in prayer and ask Him to help you understand. Write down what He tells you. You might feel hesitant to do this exercise, but let me assure you there are no right or wrong observations or questions. What else does God do for Jacob in verses 22 to 34? God could have protected Jacob without talking to Laban, but I find it really cool that he chose to do that. Laban could have ignored God, but he didn't. God was keeping his promises to Jacob. While reading verses 35 to 55, I had wished for things to be a bit different. I wish Rachel wouldn't have stolen the idol, because it seems completely foolish. I wish Laban would have just said to Jacob, You are so right. You've been so good to me. Peace be with you. You deserve all this. But he didn't. There is peace in knowing that God will be faithful to do right by us no matter how other people respond to us. There are times where it really doesn't seem that way. Like in my November episode of Lack and Anger, but when we unfold the large view of the timeline, we see that it does all work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 
Thoughtful pause. What good has God worked in your life that you initially thought was bad? Take time now to praise God for being good, even when you can't see it. Thank Him for being all-knowing and for having the best interest of His children at heart. Should we get what we deserve? As you read verses 36 to 47 in chapter 31 of Genesis, what is your take on the situation at hand? Do you side with Jacob? Is he being treated unfairly? Read and record. Reread chapter 30, verses 25 to 43, and write down what Laban does to try and hang up Jacob on his journey. Who does Jacob give credit to for any favor that he has been shown over the last 20 years? It's odd to me that Laban is still calling his daughters and flocks his own when he clearly made arrangements with Jacob over the past 20 years. But what good thing do you see that happens in verses 44 through 55? List as many positive things as you can find. Let's relate. For a healthy shift in perspective, I'd like you to remember that this is the same Jacob that stole his brother's birthright. This is the same Jacob that deceived his father to steal his brother Esau's blessing, and he got it. Does remembering this change your take on how Jacob is being treated now? Why or why not? Personally, I do find myself siding with Jacob. And I am agreeing with what he's saying to Laban. In a nutshell, Laban has been abundantly blessed because of Jacob and his favor with God. If I were Jacob, I'd be feeling the same type of emotions. What I love is that Jacob speaks truth to Laban. And when Laban chooses to be disagreeable, Jacob decides to work with him yet again. This says a lot about the character that God has established and grown in Jacob. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it is called Galid. It was also called Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take any wives besides my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Verses 48 to 50. We can see that there has been a struggle with Laban at every turn, but after a bit of struggling, it does work out for Jacob each time. He works seven years for Rachel, which is a long time, and then he gets Leah on his wedding night. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years of work. Genesis 29:27. He finishes the bridal week with Leah and then is given Rachel, but works seven more years for her. So he got what he wanted, but not without a lot of patience. Now we see Jacob is ready to leave. As we know from reading Genesis 31-3, God has told Jacob to leave, another way that God is taking care of Jacob, and Laban is trying to hold him up. He doesn't want to lose the good thing he has going. The good news is, even though Laban is deceptive, he also seems reasonable to a point. 
I can't help but see that he also has some struggles in all of Jacob's blessings, and that is very realistic and just. He ruthlessly deceived his father and brother, so it makes sense that he would have to suffer some consequence. But that doesn't mean he's lost God's blessing. This is a great encouragement to me, and I hope it is for you too. For as long as I can remember, I've had an issue with things going wrong in my life because I try so hard to be good and honor God. When struggles arise, and there are many, I have often feared that it is because I've made a mistake, that somehow I've stepped out of line. I don't believe that Jacob was supposed to steal Esau's birthright, but I do believe that Jacob was supposed to be where he is. I don't think that God honors deception, but I do think that God's promises are true no matter how long ago they were given. Jacob has a higher position than Esau because God said it would be that way before they were born. Just like it says in Genesis 25:23, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Thoughtful pause. How do you feel about suffering consequences? Do you try to live in a way that you avoid consequences? Do you recognize the struggles that Jacob has endured? Do you recognize how God has worked things out for Jacob? What have the details of this story taught you about the blessings and consequences of your own life? Are you grateful that we don't get what we deserve in this life? It's a difficult question depending on the direction you're coming from, but if you believe like I do that all fall short of God's glory, Romans 3.23, and that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, then I'm sure you can see why not getting what we deserve is a good thing. Wrestling with God Read and record Read Genesis chapter 32 and write down any observations or questions that arise. So now I will read for you Genesis chapter 32. Jacob's Fear of Esau Now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Jacob said when he saw them, This is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and furthermore, he is coming to meet you and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels, into two companies. For he said, If Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country, and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. 
I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he will come and attack me, and the mothers with their children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So we spent the night there. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milking camels and their colts, forty cows and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys. He delivered them into the hands of his servant, every drove by himself, and said to his servants, Pass on before me, and put a space between droves. He commanded the one in front, saying, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going, and to whom do these animals in front of you belong? Then you shall say, These belong to your servant. It is the present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third and all those who followed the drove, saying, After this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. Then afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on before him, while he himself spent that night in the camp. Now he arose the same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. Jacob wrestles. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said to him, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. And that is the end of chapter 32. What is significant in verse 1? Who did Jacob meet? 
What did Jacob do in verse 3? Read verses 6 through 12 and notice the way Jacob addresses God. Is Jacob showing boldness or timidity? Jacob prays to God before he meets his brother because he is scared of how his brother will greet him. What does Jacob remind God of in verse 12? As you read verses 13 through 21 in Genesis 32, what do you think about Jacob's gift to Esau? Read verses 22 to 32 and write down your thoughts on this wrestling event. What questions arise? What happens in verse 28? Why did God change Jacob's name? What did it mean? Let's relate. Jacob's fear about meeting his brother makes logical sense. He's about to meet his brother for the first time in years after stealing his birthright and his blessing. Then he finds out his brother is meeting him with 400 men. My first thoughts go to war. If it's just a welcoming party, that's a large party, especially for a brother you wanted to kill. Jacob's action to split up his companies also makes logical sense. If Esau attacks, then one group might be spared. This decision to split up his companies may be an example of wisdom God has given him. It's also possible that this is just a fear response to protect all that he had been given. My personal opinion is that it's more proof of Jacob's growth in character and wisdom. I love that Jacob reminds God of the promises he gave him and asks God to deliver him from the hand of his brother Esau. Jacob's humility displayed here is a great example of how we need to practice humility to pursue God in obedience. I have learned the beauty of affirmative prayer and feel deeply connected with this passage. Genesis 32, 9-12 Our prayers become so much more powerful when we affirm the truth we already know. It's not that God listens to our prayer more if we remind Him of what He's promised. It's a brain thing. It goes back to Romans 12, too, and how we need to renew our minds to be transformed. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The renewing of our minds cannot be a once-in-a-while practice. The world will swallow us whole, given the chance. And I know firsthand the enemy loves to mess with our minds so that we are full of doubt, lacking confidence at every turn, and wondering if God's love is even real. Letting doubt in, even a crack at a time, is so harmful to our hearts and minds. Doubt is like that evil weed that you can't get rid of. It chokes out all that is beautiful in our lives and kills it. That is why Jacob's prayer in verses 9 through 12 in chapter 32 serves as a great model for how to enter a scary time, a time of uncertainty. God is our protector, our sustainer, and his promises never fail. When things seem to be going wrong, like you have an army of 400 approaching you, or you're unsure of your job security, or your marriage feels like it's falling apart, 
remember God's promises instead and affirm them out loud. Remember God's promises instead and affirm them out loud. This will win you the battle. You might have another battle around the corner, but the truth of God's promises will stand firm. Take time now to model Jacob's prayer. Confess what you are afraid of, express your gratitude and humility before the Lord, and then affirm the promises he's given you through his word. Here are some verses you can look up if you need some help with his promises. Hebrews 13, 5, Psalm 139, Deuteronomy 31, 6, Exodus 33, 14, 2 Samuel 7, 11, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jacob's willingness to offer a gift to make amends instead of acting cocky and charging back home is another example of Jacob's improved character. I know he's afraid but I think his heart is in the right place. A few questions arise for me as I read verses 24 to 32. Why did God even bother wrestling with Jacob? Why didn't God just pin him in a few minutes? Why did it seem like God was getting tired? Here's what we know from the text. As soon as Jacob was alone, a man started wrestling with him. As the fight progressed towards daybreak, the man asked for Jacob to release him. It seems at this moment that Jacob knew that he was not wrestling just a man, but someone divine, because he asked him for a blessing. God asked Jacob his name before blessing him. If you remember back to when Jacob was born, his name means heel catcher. The name heel catcher is significant because it was confessing his true nature in telling God his birth name. God then changes his name to Israel, which means God fights. A fuller explanation is that it means he fought with God and man and prevailed. This is all according to the Bible Knowledge Commentary, 1978 edition. It is believed that up until this point, Jacob had been carrying God's promises around, but hadn't fully surrendered to him. Jacob didn't mind doing things in his own strength, but this was the beginning of his surrendered life to God. Thoughtful pause. Have you ever wrestled with God? You know he wants you to do something, but it's scary, and so you fight it? That's what we see here in chapter 32. The only difference between Jacob and us is that he physically wrestled God. Not many people can say they've done that. As Christians, we often wrestle with God more than we think, particularly when we want something that we aren't sure if it's what God wants. We forge ahead and hope God doesn't interfere. Can you recall specific times of wrestling with God? How did it turn out? And would you do it again? That is the end of chapter 6. I hope you will join me for chapter 7 as we study Saul and David. Hi friends! I'm so glad you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support and help share its uplifting message, you can leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. To donate 99 cents 
$4.99 or $9.99 a month, simply click the Anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says Support and select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact on the lives of my family. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care. Thank you.